welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hey, ladies, to Annabelle Lee. Hey, ladies. Hey, team. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, it turns out a bunch of Mormon TikTok influencers were partial to a bit of soft swinging, and the fallout has been quite juicy. Then, Beck Judd's Instagram story about crime sparks a reply from the state premier. Ellen DeGeneres bids farewell to her talk show, the maths kissing video that we'd never like to hear about again. <laughs> and then we open the shameless mailbag. What the hell do you do if your best friend says your wedding is becoming a huge financial burden? But first, Michelle, how was your week? It was an interesting week. Did anyone else listen to the Kyle and Jackie O show on Monday? I can't say that I did. I did see a wealth of DMs about it and I thought that seems like something I'm going to ignore. (laughs) Annabelle, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Well, I actually got a DM about this, (laughs) but I just chose to ignore it. I was like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. It's it's like that beautiful phrase, ignorance is delicious. Like I would much prefer to have no idea what was said. Isn't the phrase ignorance is bliss? Yes, but it's ignorance is delicious in my house. Ignorance (laughs) is delicious. Well, clearly not so for me because as soon as I got a DM about this I was like well obviously I'm going to check that out. Which speaks to our personalities because if you hear like a little bit of something you're like dig 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 what else am I going to find? I am like "Ooh, what else can I avoid? Yeah exactly (laughs) so I went deep and by going deep I mean I just listened to the segment that they did on us. I'll have you know for anyone who hasn't listened to last week's episode of Shameless we did a three minute and one second segment on Kyle Sanderland's advising women that if they don't want their partners to cheat, their male partners, heterosexual couples, if they don't want their male partners to cheat, give them a blowjob or a handjob and drain their pipes slash let them leave the house balls empty. I mean, that was a bit more crude than I was talking about. <laughs> sure. So I don't know about your memories, but my memory was we just giggled the entire way through. Like our segment on that was basically... Me snort laughing, Annabelle saying she never wanted to think about (laughs) Kyle Sanderland's balls in the first place. And Zara, you and I made one small point about there's probably some smart feminist analysis to have here, but we simply cannot be fucked. I think my words were... He doesn't deserve it. (laughs) He doesn't deserve my smart feminist analysis. Which is why I was surprised that the Kyle and Jackie O show spent seven and a half minutes talking about us and that segment and their producer. To Kyle and Jackie's credit, they really couldn't give a fuck. If anything, they were laughing at us, laughing at them. Yeah, which sounds very Kyle and Jackie O. Their producer, Bruno... Fucking hates us. Oh, Bruno. <laughs> Called us woke about seven times. I'm going to give you a snippet. I will. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. You guys don't need to go anywhere. You can just stay here and hear a snippet of that seven and a half minute segment. And, and sorry, exactly. can, I, can I just ask? Sorry that I'm not woke. <laughs> what is the smart feminist perspective on It's the fact that they shouldn't be going out and cheating regardless if you've got your balls well, full or hang on, but In a fantasy world, that's all well and good, but we're talking about the real world. <laughs> but also, isn't woke that's culture <laughs> all about accepting how you're born? What? Yeah, what are you saying? Born a cheater, it's okay. Men are born with full balls that must be empty. <laughs> These guys are hilarious shit stories. I, I love it. They know what they're doing. Yeah, well, they then played. They were saying that we couldn't possibly be feminist because there's another woman with another show who got on her podcast and said she does do this for her partner before he leaves because she doesn't want him to cheat. They play that segment and then Bruno says this. By the way, how much better of a podcaster is she? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind those other two girls. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the, oh, that's Kyle. It was you seem very anti yeah. those girls. Who are those girls? <laughs> I'll tell you what I mean. On their social media not long ago, they did a list. Yeah. And you know how I feel about people doing lists that aren't me. Oh, that's right. Because you. Because oh, yeah. what, what are you again? The, the list the, king. The, the list king. <laughs> I'll say. Oh, yeah. You don't say. That yeah. sort of dropped yeah. off a bit, didn't it? Yeah, I haven't done it in like a year, but I still right. feel that it's my domain. So I, didn't, I didn't appreciate them having strong opinions. And, and the list. That's yeah, and what was their list, though? I think it was to do with like chocolates or something. Oh, that's oh, why that. you're pissed because yeah. they've, they've done what you did. I need to tell the world we have been framed. <laughs> this is like a case of mistaken or stolen identity. Bruno hates us. Producer Bruno from Kyle and Jackie O did a seven-minute segment on us and hates us because we stole his list idea and apparently ranked chocolates recently. Which we just never did, and now I'm very confused. I actually don't even like that sort of (laughs) genre, generally. He's so welcome to be the list king. Take Bruno, be the list (laughs) king. But I also do think he's right. I I don't think we should have opinions. Like, I don't think women should have opinions. He's right. And you know what? Two or three women on a microphone is automatically woke, and I'm automatically off it. So, Bruno, A+, plus, totally agree. Fuck shameless. So, is this going to be some sort of, like, podcasting radio inception where now they respond to this and we respond to that and then it never ends. I just want Bruno to address the chocolate list thing. Where did you see that? I know we did one maybe in 2018, but we haven't in the last four years. So I'd just love to know who he's mistaken us for. Yeah, <laughs> it's a case of mistaken identity for sure. Wow, what a week. Good yeah. on us. I'm happy that we made a – we copped a mention. We noticed an influx of listeners yesterday to the show and now I'm wondering – was it the seven minutes on Kyle and Jackie O that did it? I mean, they are like the most syndicated radio show in the country. Number one radio show, happy with our mention. <laughs> do you have a recommendation for me? I do. It's really simple. I just want people to re-watch Little Women on oh, Netflix. That is really yes. simple, but good rec. Yeah, well, I was at my mum's house with my sister Claire on Saturday night and we were kind of prepping for a movie night, couldn't decide what to watch. And my mum and I love Little Women and my sister Claire had never seen it, which absolutely blew me away. So I popped it on and basically watched her watch this movie and she was like bawling by the end of it because she says it's her favourite movie ever. Oh, that is so sweet. It is really well done. I mean, it's where I fell in love with Florence Pugh like everybody yes. else in the world, I think. But I loved Emma Watson in it, Saoirse Ronan. Oh, my Saoirse God. Ronan. Timmy. Timmy's in it. Timmy is in it. I do love Timmy. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, so... Do you I- remember when I called him Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle made me ready to record. No one caught me in the moment when I said that. That was months ago. I do- I do recommend people go watch it. I mean, I saw this a couple of years back, but sitting down on Saturday night and re-watching it with like women, other women, you need to watch this with your girlfriends or your sister or your mum. It is just a fucking good time. So watch that on Netflix this weekend. Nice. What about you? Big girl boss energy. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle's like, oh, duh. <laughs> what have I got to recommend? Well, I am big into newsletters at the moment. They're kind of the only reading I'm actually doing all the time. And I posted one on my Instagram story this week by Eleanor Halls. She's a music journalist, I should say. And she has a newsletter called Pass the Orcs. I think AUX. Yeah, Pass the, Pass the Orcs Court. Yeah, that's what I thought. Sure. <laughs> you never doubted yeah, yourself. No, no, no. Imagine if you said Pass the O. <laughs> Pass the O. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, anyway, she wrote this piece this week and it is 
pretty media specific, but everybody else should actually give it time of day because the title of the piece is called Is There Such Thing as a Career for Today's Journalists? She talks a lot about how when people go into the media, they're encouraged to take passion projects and sort of not earn money for a while while you're trying to like intern for free and do all of those kinds of things. But eventually towards the end of the piece, she kind of discusses this idea that young people have a very different idea about work to us and that all the young people she's talking to aren't feeling the need to land their dream jobs straight out of uni and don't feel this intense pressure to make work their identity and I had so many people come back in my DMs and I was talking to people about it being like they are very much getting this sense too and I was like I really want to talk to people maybe under the age of 25 who listen to this podcast to be like is that true? We need to poll people on your Save Friday do you have this desire to climb the ladder immediately after uni or maybe straight after school or are you more keen to kind of let time pass and see where you fall. Yeah, well, I was talking to one of my girlfriends, Amy, who I went to uni with, and she was talking about her younger sister and saying, my younger sister does not feel this need like we felt this pressure to after we finished, you need to land a dream job. They were like, but you've got a whole career to do that. (laughs) And I was like... How very wise. (laughs) So much more balanced than us. I left uni and was like freaking out for three years. 100%. So the piece itself is really, really wonderful and I very much recommend it. So we'll put a link in our show notes. But I'll keep recommending my favourite newsletters because I've got a bunch. So I'll just come back every week and just bring you a new one. (laughs) Zara's weekly newsletter rack. I love it so, so much. We have a great announcement to make, Zara, because our charity merch went live on Monday and you guys sold out. You bought a thousand jumpers in under half an hour. We raised $10,000 for the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, which we are just obviously so pumped and so woke, Bruno. Yeah, yeah, that is such a woke thing to do. (laughs) Very woke of us. And we're going to try and help out those who didn't get one. We know some listeners were quite disappointed to miss out. Obviously, we're working with a small business in Sweater Club. It's not like they can put out 10,000 jumpers. We don't even want to do that because of wastage, Zara. Like We're constantly trying to balance two things, making it enough jumpers so people are satisfied without creating waste. So this Monday, the 6th of June, we are putting live a pre-order. It will go live at eight o'clock at night, 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Now, there is a slight caveat to this. Grey jumpers, pretty easy. If you pre-order a grey jumper, you will get it within about three weeks. If you want a lilac slash lavender purpley jumper, a little bit more tricky. That will be sent out at the end of July. So you will need to pay for it on Monday, pre-order it, and then end of July, you'll receive it. These sold super, super well. The stockists have completely run out of them. So it's a little bit more of a time delay. However, you do need to get on pre-order if you want it because we need to cap it because there are only so many jumpers out there in the wild that we can grab. Yeah, exactly. And as we said, the lilac has been incredibly popular. So if that is what you want, just have to be a little bit patient. But Knowing wherever you live in Australia, particularly Melbourne, it will likely be very cold still by then and you'll want a cosy jumper by the end of July. It's currently like seven degrees while we record. So you need fucking five jumpers. There's also this TikTok I saw recently where it was like concert tickets are basically free because you buy them so far in advance. So I think maybe the same rationale applies here. The lilac jumper is free. (laughs) I don't know how we got there. Let's jump into the first segment of the show, Mish, because we have to start with Mormon mom talk. Mom Mom talk. Because 
it is all anyone wants to talk about, both across TikTok but also Instagram too. Yeah, and Twitter and Reddit has gone yes. absolutely crazy over this. Before we get into what mom talk is, let's talk to you about Mormonism. Some people might be a little bit blurry on the details of Mormonism, Zara. Yeah, for sure. So if people aren't perhaps religiously inclined, that's totally fine. Essentially, a Mormon is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints or of a sector closely related to it. And they are regarded, Mish, as pretty conservative religious people. Very conservative. Yeah. Mormons generally believe that faithful members of the church will inherit eternal life as gods. Almost 200 years ago, Mormons migrated to Utah where they founded Salt Lake City. That's why we often hear jokes about Mormonism and Utah in the same breath. Salt Lake City, Utah is like the capital of Mormonism and the hub of Mormonism. Now, as you said, Zara, it is highly conservative. The church's rules prohibit alcohol, tobacco, illegal drugs, coffee and tea. Sex before marriage is also absolutely not okay. Same with swearing and gambling. We want to be aware, though, obviously some people will identify as Mormons and not subscribe to that sure. full list. Like there will be Catholics out there who don't live a 100% perfect Catholic life, and that's totally fine. Yeah, too. but still identify as Catholic. Now, that's the history lesson done, but I think important <laughs> context before we jump into what this random drama has been this week. So this story, if you've seen maybe little bits around and you're like, I don't understand the full story, we're here to tell it to you because it involves a group of extremely attractive, extremely popular and pretty religious (laughs) friends from Utah. They always came up on my TikTok for you page doing a little dance. Yes, they love dancing. Yeah, they often posted photos together, particularly the women, Mish, Mm -hmm. always together and were commonly referred to as mom. Talk. I can't read. <laughs> I can't read that as mum. Shall we just say mum talk? Mum talk. Mum talk. Now, the group's leader, or Queen Bee, if that's what we want to call her, is Taylor Frankie Paul. Quite a name suited to be an influencer, oh, if I may. Yeah. She has 3.5 million followers. And she's not alone in having a huge following either. I mean, we're referring to her as the Queen Bee, which I know sounds quite high school, but this whole thing is quite high school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't make the rules. We don't make the rules here. Don't shoot the messenger. But she is kind of the Queen Bee with 3.5 million followers. But the entire friendship group, like you click on any of these women and there are so many, there's at least 10 couples in Mum Talk. They all have like a million followers each. So we're talking about a huge ecosystem online. Yeah. So some of the names, I'll throw some names at our listeners today. (laughs) They don't have to keep up with all of them (laughs) just for a little taster. We've got Taylor and her husband, Tate, who've been married for six years. And then other couples in that friendship group include Miranda and Chase, Camille and Samuel, Brayden and McKenna and Connor and Whitney. All All American. All very American. (laughs) Now, following the group is popular amongst fellow Mormons, of course. They often speak, this group often speaks about their religion. They speak a lot about their lifestyle. They all got married super young, had kids super young, of course, as well. But people outside the church, like regular folk who aren't Mormons, tend to love their stuff too. So that's perhaps why this scandal absolutely took off this week. There was already so much interest there. And then this week, everyone lost their tiny minds when it was announced that Taylor and Tate were getting a divorce. And then soon after rumors of that spilled out online, rumors came in on top of it that said they're getting a divorce because Taylor cheated on Tate with another husband in the friendship group. Yes. And so Taylor decided, you know what? I'm going to address the rumours head on by doing a TikTok live 
and basically confirm everything that everybody's saying <laughs> and give them a little bit more as well. So she said, yes, I'm getting a divorce. Was it cheating? Well, it depends on your definition of cheating because it turns out we're all soft swingers, which basically is, she says, swinging that doesn't go all the way. Yeah, here's a snippet from that video. We basically were like all open with each other. Um, that was never going to come out because nobody wants to admit that. So I just have to come on here and at least say that. Um, everyone was pretty much intimate with everyone <laughs> and it sucks, but they're going to deny it and that's fine. I just, I'm speaking my truth and they can speak theirs, I guess. <laughs> the chaos of doing this. <laughs> yeah. I love that she did this. Like what an agent of chaos yeah. to just come on and be like, you know what? I'm telling the whole world that we are swingers. Well, and it's also one of those things where it's like, fuck it. If I'm going down, everyone's coming with me. <laughs> yeah. A thousand percent. So Taylor and another husband, it turns out, stepped outside the agreement that this soft swinging group came up with. Here's that snippet. We had an agreement, like all of us, and I did step out of that agreement. Um, and that's where I messed up. And I obviously am losing everything that I have. So that is true. Um, we were at a party. I got belligerent and we went and messed up like by ourselves rather with the whole group one time. It was a one time thing because we were so like gone. Um, it wasn't just me and this other person that had like feelings for each other and messed up. There were other things, other people had feelings and, um, it's hard because I can't like, I can't spill like everything without tearing Do it. everyone's face <laughs> before, like coming out with all of it. My favorite part as well is that like going on live and saying our friendship group are actually swingers by the way, guys, but I'm not going to name anyone is almost definitely worse than just naming people because now everyone in this friendship group is implicated and everyone is scrambling to kind of scrub their name clean from this story. Well, another one came up on my TikTok feed and I actually wish I remember who it was, but they were like, look, everyone's scrambling to Taylor demanding that she clears their name. She's not doing it for anyone, so I'm just going to do it for myself. It wasn't me. <laughs> I'm not part of this. And I was like, I am obsessed with influencers and celebrities who know what they're job is right I remember when Julia Fox was kind of the center of all our discussions a few months ago and I saw this great tweet that basically said Julia Fox is doing what celebrities have kind of deprived us all for years which is just being a celebrity be ridiculous play up for it like yeah. give us the stories that give us the juice that is why you are famous Taylor Frankie Poole is doing exactly that she's like I'm an influencer I share my life with you which means I'm gonna share all of it she's leaning into the absurd I love it I love it too but I was also really I think maybe naively shocked that we have this group that is known for being so ultra conservative. I mean, members of a church where even coffee and tea are kind of outlawed, that they're all swinging together. Like, I know that might be the most obvious point ever, but I'm still stunned yeah. that this is the reality of how things are. And as we said, things went wild on TikTok, Twitter and Reddit. Some of the tweets we read got over 200,000 likes. Like, the amount of eyeballs on these couples now is absolutely insane. I think there are also been kind of side scandals that have spun out as a result of Taylor Frankie Paul's live on TikTok. 
Because people have gone so deep with their investigations, it's been revealed that there were naked photos of two of the wives on OnlyFans, like racy, oh, scandalous photos on OnlyFans. There has been a Tinder account belonging to one of the husbands that has been uncovered. And now we are staring down the barrel of three divorces, according to Taylor. Three of these couples are getting divorced in relation to this one big scandal. Is this just a publicity stunt somehow? Okay. So some people have raised that, right? I've gone deep. As we all know, I've gone fucking deep into the nooks and crannies (laughs) of this. People have raised that this could have been a publicity stunt because Taylor Frankie Paul applied for the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and she was denied. Rejected. They didn't want to. They said she wasn't edgy enough, scandalous enough, dramatic enough. Now this has come out three weeks after Mm. she said that in an interview. However, Zara McDonald, I've thought this through. Do I really think... Someone is dragging their family, including two small children, and the families of all of their friends through this because they want to be on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. All I'll say is I fucking hope not. I agree with you. My answer to that is, oh, I really hope not, but I wouldn't put it past (laughs) some people. I wouldn't. You can't. Yeah. The other question I want to ask you guys is who is the asshole here? Because as much as I love this from Taylor, like earlier I said, I love that she's an agent of chaos. I live for this. It's been very entertaining for all of us over the weekend. I do kind of think she might be the asshole here. No, she's definitely the asshole. Both things can be true, right? I can say I'm really glad she's leaning into what we know her job is, which is to provide us all entertainment. And just as equally acknowledge, wow, it's a pretty rough thing to do to your mates if they don't want this kind of stuff public. Yeah. One of the top comments I saw on TikTok was, surely the number one rule of Mormon swinging is that you never speak about Mormon (laughs) (laughs) Coming up after the break, how Beck Judd found herself back in the headlines, a maths kissing scandal, and then we open the shameless mailbag. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Smooth as ever. I know, I did it right for once. <laughs> so exciting. Zara, cheerleader McDonald. What have you got for me? Cheerleader. Oh, well, you just pepped Give me a up a little. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My first story. Beck Judd says she feels unsafe in mansion in spray over crime in Melbourne. That is from news.com. Now, you might have seen this story around as well. Got a lot of airtime. Got a lot of airtime. If you are listening to this from overseas, Beck Judd is a Melbourne businesswoman and socialite. She's married to a former AFL star called Chris Judd. They, as a couple, have a huge following online. They're pretty big personalities around the country and they're widely known for being politically conservative. Yeah. Now, if you missed this one late last week, she took to her Instagram stories to say that she wasn't feeling safe in her own home. She wrote on her stories, so sick of the rapes, bashings and home invasions at the hands of gangs in Bayside. The state government doesn't seem to care. We feel unsafe. I personally know two women who have experienced home invasions in Brighton in the last few weeks while they were at home. She also, in tandem with that, commented on the Instagram page of Liberal State MP James Newbury when he posted a video about crime in Bayside and she said, have these teens been charged yet or just another slap on the wrist? Now, this naturally made news, I think, because now whenever Beck Judd talks about politics, it tends to make the news, Mish. And I think there's absolutely no doubt straight up that 
if there are a couple of people around you experiencing home invasions and things like that, that is terrifying. Really like, scary. No one can take that away from you. That would absolutely rattle you. I've known one person in my life who's had their home invaded and it rattled me. It's scary. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't think anyone can take that away from Beck or take that away from the women around her. If that is your experience, that's awful. But truthfully, I don't really like the way two events have been politicised here by Beck Judd when we know that the area she lives in is one of the safest in the entire state. Yeah, well, I think what's really important in stories like this, like putting that sense of emotion to the side that we spoke about, is unpack how we talk about crime in Australia, particularly in Victoria, because I think we have a pretty terrible history of how we talk about it. I mean, Dan Andrews said in a press conference, State Premier Dan Andrews, in response to this, I'm obliged to point out, though, I think there are more than 70 additional police in the Bayside area, and the most recent crime statistics released by an independent agency would not support these sweeping assessments about patterns of crime. Now, as you touched on, Mish, about the stats, like statistics do show that crime in Bayside has been going down in the last few years. Bayside City Council has also had the lowest crime rate in the southern metro region for the last 10 consecutive years. And I think for me, given our pretty horrendous history with completely false narratives around African gangs, banding around the term gang when we're talking about crime, when Mm. perhaps the stats aren't neatly aligned, does feel a little loaded. And I think it's all of our responsibility when conversations like this come up to be hyper aware of how these conversations play out. Yeah, I think so as well. We don't have stats for the last few months on crime in Bayside either yet. We know that there's been a small uptick. The Bayside local area commander inspector, Kath Wilkins, said as such yesterday. But let's just keep in mind the context here. Bayside is one of the lowest crime areas, has one of the lowest crime rates in the entire state. So let's just be mindful of that. Yeah, and the language we're using when we're talking about it. My second story, Ellen talk show finale. When I started this, I couldn't say gay in daytime. That is from Deadline. Now, Mish, I really do think cognitive dissonance is getting emotional watching the last episode (laughs) of Ellen and also knowing the last episode of Ellen is happening because ratings fizzled because they had a real toxic workplace and allegations of bullying. But I think we all feel a lot about this and it's okay to feel a lot. You don't have to feel simply about the Ellen show or about Ellen DeGeneres. People are complicated and you're allowed to feel complicated about it. So (laughs) I do. (laughs) After 19 seasons, Ellen DeGeneres' final ever episode of her TV juggernaut show aired. It featured interviews with Billie Eilish, Pink and Jennifer Aniston. Jen Aniston actually made her 20th appearance on the show for this finale episode. That blew me away, which means she's been on every single year since it started. Yeah, she must be a huge, like hugely close friend of Ellen. Well, that's the thing you don't realise about celebrities sometimes is like, you're right, they must be really close. She was also on the first ever episode of Ellen. Really? Yeah, so nice little sort of 360 there. Now, in her opening monologue, Ellen actually said that when she started doing daytime TV, she wasn't even allowed to say the word gay. This is what she said. When we started the show, I couldn't say gay on the show. I was not allowed to say gay. Uh, I said it at home a lot. I, you know, what are we having for our gay breakfast? Or (laughs) pass the gay salt? Has anyone seen the gay remote? Things like that. But we couldn't say uh, gay, I couldn't say we, because that implied that I was with someone. Uh, sure couldn't say wife, and that's because it wasn't legal for gay people to get married, and now I say wife all the time. With that in mind, Mish, it's a pretty remarkable feat what 
Ellen DeGeneres was able to do with that show, mm. given the backlash she faced initially. Yeah, and I think it is a remarkable story and she has had a remarkable influence on this industry for a group of people. Yes, the stuff that came out about her workplace needs to be talked about and we need to make space for that. But equally, we should make space for what Ellen did as a gay icon. Yeah, 1000%. I mean, it's it's a complicated legacy and I think we can like sit with that. I think we can say, okay, yes, you were accused of fostering a pretty toxic work environment, but also you've done a lot for a lot of people and you've offered a lot of comfort for a lot of people. Like watching the last episode, it reminded me a lot of those days that you sit at home when you're pulling a sickie and you're watching (laughs) it and the Ellen show comes up and she is an incredibly comforting person to watch on screen. And again, that has to come with the caveat of, yes, she asked some dumb questions and, yes, she put some people in uncomfortable spots. Like all of this is true, right? Every single thing we're saying is true. I found it quite interesting in the last few months with the last season that – None of the controversy surrounding Ellen at all had any impact on the guests she was able to get. In the last season alone, she had Oprah, Michelle Obama and Kim Kardashian, just to name a few, who I would argue are the three most influential women of the last five to ten years. Oh, it's absolutely massive to get those women on. The only other one I could think of was maybe Rihanna and Adele would be up there in that kind of remit of incredible women. So, look... Feel however you want to feel, like, guys. Come to us. It's your safe Friday. Is it your safe it's tomorrow? It's your safe Friday Unless you tomorrow. say something fucked. <laughs> Tell us about how you feel because I feel a lot of things and part of me is sad that she's going. Yeah. My third story. Liam Payne says there are many reasons why he dislikes Zayn Malik. I don't agree with any of his actions. That is from Entertainment Tonight. What a weird, weird story. I feel like Liam Payne has been in the news cycle heaps over the last couple of weeks. Let's start with this. (laughs) Out of nowhere as well. Out of absolutely nowhere. He's really just come out of the bushes and he wants us to talk about him clearly. Now, let's start with this One Direction stuff, Zara, because essentially a couple of days ago, Liam went on the impulsive podcast with Logan Paul to talk about his time in one direction. Yeah, exactly. And goodness me. So eventually around halfway through the interview, the conversation moved to Liam's former bandmate, Zayn Malik. Mm. And the conversation started because Logan's brother, Jake, once got into a public feud with Zayn and Gigi, who was with Zayn at that time, actually tweeted about it and sort of tweeted that he was her partner, of course, a respectful man. Now, Liam jumped in as they were talking about this and joked that that tweet, and I quote, didn't age well. Yeah, as if to say Zayn quickly proved he was not a respectful man. I think we can read between the lines and say he was probably referring to the rumours or the allegations rather that Zayn Malik shoved his mother-in-law into a dresser and called her a racial slur. Yeah, that was last year. Now, when he elaborated on his relationship with Zayn, the tone took a bit of a turn because originally he's joking being like, yeah, he's not a respectful man anymore. And then he said this. Listen, 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 before, we, before we go before we go too deeply into this, there's, there's, there's many reasons why I, I dislike Zane and there's many reasons why I'll always, always be on his side. If I had had to go through what he went through, through his, his growth and, and whatever else, uh, my parents are overly supportive to the point where it's annoying at times and they, they don't even mind me saying that. And Zane, Zane had a different upbringing in that sense and um, you can't, you can always look at the man for where he is and, and, and say, oh yeah, whatever, that guy's a dick, right? But at the end of the day, once you understand what he's been through to get to that point and also whether or not he actually even wanted to be there. And also, I'm, I'm so misunderstood my, by myself more than anyone. Like, I don't know why I'm, what I'm doing or why I'm here. It's like, I can't 
sit here and dick on him because of whatever. And listen, I don't agree with any of his actions. I can't commend some of the things that he's done. I can't be on his side for that. What I can say is I understand and I hope that <coughs> your only hope, hope is that at some point in their life, the person on the other end of the phone wants to receive the help that you're willing to give them. That's all I'll say. What is our interpretation of that quote? Because it sounds like to me, particularly the latter maybe 15 seconds, sounds a lot like maybe Liam knows that Zayn Malik is really struggling or going through something right now. Yeah, I think so. That's the read I get on the quote. But I just think it's kind of strange for a a guy as media trained as Liam Payne to even be banding around the phrase there are many reasons I don't like him. Yeah. Because if you've been in the public eye for long enough, you know that's exactly the headline that people are going to grab. People aren't going to go and listen to this interview. They're just going to assume that you don't like Zane. Yeah, and when you hear that in context and you hear his tone, I think the overriding feeling that I have is, oh, he cares a lot about this person. He thinks this person is very complicated and very flawed, but he still has a lot of love and respect for him. It's a lot to consider. I mean, even that full quote, there's many reasons why I dislike Zane and there's many reasons why I'll always, always be on his side. It feels like two different things or it feels like maybe they're brothers and they're not speaking anymore, like almost like a familial bond that he refuses to sever. It's very clunky to me. Like it's pretty clunkily worded. It's also interesting to me because at another point in this interview, Liam tells a story of how one point one of his bandmates, he doesn't name who the bandmate is, like threw him up against the wall when they were at the height of their fame and they got into a bit of like a brawl, I guess. And Liam basically said, if you touch me with these hands, you won't have hands. I will cut them off. Something to that effect. (laughs) And I was like... Are you hinting that that was Zane as well but not saying his name because he's top top of mind? That is surely the parallel that people will draw. People probably will naturally draw it, yeah. I also found that anecdote really interesting because that also was going to make headlines. And Mm. I'm wondering if it's a time that Liam Payne wants to create distracting headlines. (laughs) Well, it's so funny you say that because he has been in headlines recently and they haven't all painted him in the best, almost flattering light. If you missed it, we didn't put this in the quick and dirty. The timing wasn't quite right. But last week, Photos of Liam Payne with his arms around another woman, the woman's name is Eliana Mola, emerged online. Now, that's fine until you remember the fact that Liam Payne has a fiance. Her name is Maya Henry, and she was not a fan of these photos. In fact, she tweeted out and then promptly deleted this. I love all of the fans so much, but please stop sending me these pictures of my fiance wrapped around another woman. This is not me, and it's hard enough knowing that this has happened without seeing it enough now. I mean, we don't have time to go into this fully, but long story short, Maya Henry and Liam Payne have called off their engagement for with it's not the it's not the first time they're very on and off again so it's not the first time but they've called the engagement off and now apparently Liam Payne is in a committed relationship already with Eliana so Maya Henry is definitely insinuating that he cheated on her oh for sure my fiance my fiance not my ex fiance she's saying. This is hard enough. I've just found out my fiancé has cheated on me. Please don't post the photo so I have to see it. My, oh, my. Liam, you naughty, naughty boy. From one (laughs) cheating scandal to another, my fourth story. Is it over? Married at first sight, Olivia Fraser is left devastated as her boyfriend Jackson is caught passionately kissing another woman during a wild night out with the boys in Melbourne. I'm speechless. That is from the Daily Mail. I know that a lot of other people in the country 
have wanted to talk about nothing else other than this story. I would happily have this be the last time we ever have to discuss this again. Yes, I agree with that. Now, I'm so tired. Uh, in case you missed it, Married at First Sight's Olivia Fraser, the Married at First Sight contestant who was kind of embroiled in the most controversy after the last season with accusations of bullying and a lot of other things, did tell Daily Mail that she was distraught after her boyfriend Jackson was caught on camera like passionately kissing another woman at a bar in Melbourne on Friday. Now, this is what the Daily Mail wrote about the incident. Footage obtained by Facebook group Tea Time shows Jackson tongue-kissing a brunette bombshell for some time. A devastated Olivia told Daily Mail Australia on Saturday she is speechless. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. That's not an experience anyone wants in a monogamous relationship. I am most intrigued with this footage, Mish, when we were looking at it. They're at a bar, but it looks like the lights are, like, on. The lights are on. Yeah. It's not a dark bar where there is, like, it's tricky to tell is that actually Jackson. You could hide in a corner and he could do this. It's, like, so bright. He basically has a ring light on his face. <laughs> being like, I am Jackson from Married at First Sight and I'm kissing another woman. I can't figure this out. I read some comments that said it was so late that maybe the bar had flicked the lights on as if to be, like, get the fuck out yeah closing that's what I thought it must be right regardless not a vibe it looks like they're kissing in a school hall I mean I hardly (laughs) want to give people tips on how to cheat but like if you're gonna do it you're surely not doing it when the lights are on surely not surely you're at least going maybe we go somewhere quiet and maybe not in front of a crowd of people with their camera phones in our faces yeah exactly what's been most interesting about this story is Olivia's married at first sight nemesis Domenica tweeted out when this happened, Chris Jenner works hard, but Max Markson works harder. Yeah, welcome back to Max Markson. This is officially your third mention on Shameless this year alone. Now, we have mentioned him a heap of times over the course of doing this show. He was behind Lara Bingle slash Worthington's biggest scandals of her career. He did manage her for some time. Max Markson also happens to represent both Olivia and Jackson and like a few reality stars from over the years in Australia. Now, the idea that the whole thing was orchestrated by Max Markson for publicity might have some legs, Zara. As we said, the video was weirdly in bright lighting where everyone can identify the guy at the heart of it. It is also a perfect storyline to stir up sympathy for Olivia, someone who has been cast as the villain and regarded as a villain for a long time. I mean, I'm sure lots of women out there can sympathise with the experience of being cheated on or having your boyfriend kiss someone else at a nightclub. So it's a good way to stir up sympathy. We also know that it creates anticipation for what these two do next. It makes people go to their Instagram page. It's made me go to Olivia Fraser's Instagram page more this week than I ever have across the last year. And what's interesting about it is when you go to her page, she hasn't posted anything on the feed. She did post this on her Instagram story yesterday. She said, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for your love and support during this horrendous time. I just wanted to let you know that although I'm so heartbroken and so embarrassed, I am okay. I will be focusing on healing from this privately. So we've got that on her story. But as for her feed posts, she hasn't posted anything. Her most recent feed post is telling the world that she She has just joined OnlyFans and if you click into her bio and pay like, I don't know, $10, you can get her content. 
So that's interesting in that there could be a financial element or a financial motivation to getting people to stalk her on Instagram. Yeah, that said though, Max Markson does deny this. He told the Daily Mail, it's very kind of Dom to compliment me on my work ethic. I do like to think I work hard. However, this whole situation has nothing to do with me. Definitely not one of my PR stunts. I do love analyzing that quote, not one of my PR <laughs> I acknowledging them like, yeah, I do them all the time. <laughs> I do want to say though, it is a far more complicated story as well, because for all Olivia was rightly criticized for during the show. She's also spoken quite openly in the last couple of weeks about her struggles with her mental health, having been in the public eye mm. and copying that kind of backlash. So there's lots going on, on all sides of this story. Yeah. Lots of spinning plates. We've also then had friends come out and say that Olivia is going to move overseas and that they've broken up. So I mean, watch this space. If they stay together, I'll be raising an eyebrow to be like, this is an interesting thing to have happened. If they actually break up and she moves overseas, I think we know for sure this was not a setup. Yeah, my fifth and final story, Carrie Bickmore's partner accidentally strips naked on a work call. (laughs) That is from Yahoo. Now, goodness, this story is a bit unfortunate. (laughs) A bit. A a lot. (laughs) Carrie Bickmore's producer partner, he works on The Weekly, was doing a – Skype call. He is obviously working overseas with Carrie. They're traveling with their family. And he was on a Skype call with his colleagues and he didn't realize his camera was still on when he was reportedly getting into the shower (laughs) and had stripped himself off. Now, apparently he'd told everyone he was leaving the meeting, but in medium-sized boomer energy. (laughs) Forgot to do that. Now, his name is Chris Walker and the publication reported that up to nine people witnessed this incident with Chris, which they say lasted between 40 seconds and two minutes. I have so many bones to pick with that stat. 40 seconds and two minutes. What do you mean? The the minute you see a colleague not realise that their camera is on, you get off the call. You don't wait between 40 seconds and two minutes, which, by the way, is a bit of discrepancy. Is it 40 seconds or is it two minutes? a long time. Because 40 seconds is a third of two minutes. <laughs> Good math. Thank you. Second math. Yeah. Uh, look, I have a lot of questions about this too. Surely if you have been on a Skype call or a Zoom call with a colleague and you see them getting naked, don't you like – Shut your screen after yes. five seconds, yes, maybe. Definitely like, do. Don't you witness what's going on? Yell out to them, like, make it clear you uh, know what's going uh, on. You do the whole Chris, uh, 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 Chris, you go, my eyes, my eyes. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> after that, don't you log off or get off or close your screen or do something to be watching it for two minutes? Just sounds absolutely absurd. Now, The funniest thing about all of this is the ABC is scrambling to prevent it from being some kind of like huge drama, some huge scale scandal at the ABC. They told the Herald Sun that they are, and I quote, aware of an unintentional incident and confirmed that they are offering counselling to anyone. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. They're offering counselling to anyone who saw it. So I feel feel so sorry for Mr. Chris (laughs) because... Firstly, this is not what you'd wish on your worst enemy. And secondly, that people have to be offered counselling for seeing you <laughs> your getting, naked bodies. get into the shower. I'm so sorry, Mr. Chris, you did not Mr. deserve this. Mr. Chris, it's also like tapping into one of my deepest, darkest fears, which I know you have, Zara McDonald, because every time my phone is in a room when I'm doing anything remotely, like naked or raunchy, it gets into my head. <laughs> oh, <yuck. laughs> sorry, 
It gets into my head that, that you've gone I've live gone on live on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. It's like I get out of the shower and I've, even if I'm just like sitting in my towel or something like on my phone, I'm always like, I definitely just uploaded an Instagram story. <laughs> I just have this, which means that now that we put this out into the world, if this ever happens and someone's a hacker who's listening, hack into my account and delete it for me so I don't have to see it. <laughs> if it does go live, we're going to have to offer a lot of people counselling. I'm not worried about going live though. I say touching wood. What do you mean? Well, it's like the, my fear is not going live. It's just randomly uploading an Instagram story. As I mean, live would be any better than that. Well, I don't know. I had to call my mum at work. <laughs> she will kill me for telling this story. But <laughs> this I, is so good. I had to call. My mum had COVID, so she was in isolation and she was bored as anything. And I jumped on Instagram when I was at work and I saw my mum and dad share an Instagram account. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> Incredibly awesome. <laughs> mum had accidentally uploaded. She'd screenshotted her, like, homepage with all her notifications and uploaded it to their Instagram story. <laughs> I had seen it within three minutes and I'm like oh god so I call her and I was like mum you've got to get this down she's like you delete it you delete it I'm like that's not quite how it works so I had her on loudspeaker Michelle's listening Michelle was cacking herself I couldn't I, control I, it. did you not hear no. this oh my god it was so funny mum was like what do I do what do I do your father's gonna kill me we're gonna get divorced and Zara had to be like Top left corner. And Trish was like, I think I'm in the right <laughs> Red button. Delete. delete. It's gone. She's like, never tell him. But now I've, now <laughs> no, I've told everyone else. <laughs> this is exactly why I love you, Trish. <laughs> it's so funny. Condolences to Trish and condolences to Chris. Yeah. See, it happens to the best of us. Let's just all be on our, you know, best game. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> That's all I've got for you guys. <laughs> Thanks so much. Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. It is time for the shameless mailbag. Annabelle Lee, will you do us the honours? Sure will. This one reads, hi girls, not ladies this time. Hey. Hi girls. How do I tell my best friend she's interfering too much in my wedding? For context, my fiancé and I have decided to do a small ceremony overseas next year. We're only inviting our immediate family and closest friends. I've informed all of my friends about our wedding and I'm getting really excited. However, at the moment, I feel like my best friend is inserting herself into every decision I'm making. At first, I didn't really notice or care when she would bring up my wedding. She told me she wanted to help me plan it and make it as stress-free as possible, which I thought was really kind and sweet. But in a conversation we had recently, she brought up the financial burden this wedding is becoming for her and made me feel guilty and selfish for the decisions I'm making. I was under the impression that when it comes to weddings nowadays, we all know there's going to be a cost attached to accommodation, bridesmaid stresses and transport. I hate that she's making me feel like I'm the bad guy here. I'm also annoyed that she's turning it into something about her. Am I overreacting and becoming completely selfish or is there a way I can gently ask her to step away from my wedding planning? Help me from confused bride to be. (laughs) Okay, so let's unpack here, Mish. Let's unpack. First thing I want to start with, if I may, is let's start with the interfering, right? If you've got a friend who is trying to infiltrate your space and make your wedding about them, because let's take this on a surface level to start and say, yes, it would be annoying if you felt like your friend was saying, oh, no, you should actually do this or you should have you thought about this. So if this mailbag was black and white, Mm. which spoiler alert, I don't think it is. (laughs) I would say be honest with her about it and just leave it there. Like that's the end of the story. But there is one large complicating factor to me that really stands out and it is my overriding question of is your friend interfering to try and keep her own costs down? Yeah. And is she allowed to do that? Well, (sighs) 
what you're planning a wedding. Mm-hmm. I'm confused. If I was trying to interfere to keep my own costs down, I mean, yours <laughs> is not a destination wedding. How could I do that? Or like, if you're a bridesmaid, I mean, it, yeah. it depends how each bride does things, right? Like some brides go, I will take on the cost for everything. I want you to be my bridesmaid. I'll pay for a comm. I'll pay for dresses. I'll pay for hair and makeup. Other brides decide that it should be split and that bridesmaids should buy their own dresses. I've done that for weddings in the past, bought my own shoes, paid for a cut of things. So I can imagine that some best friends might nudge the bride towards a more affordable dress or a more affordable accommodation option, shoes, hair and makeup people. Like there is a lot of cost associated with being a bridesmaid sometimes. Yeah. And so we're making the assumption here that if she is interfering to keep costs down, which is maybe what our gut is telling us, that it would be around costs associated with being a bridesmaid. Yeah, and also on top of this, I mean, it's an overseas wedding. So if the bride is saying, I want all of my loved ones on the same flight over, what airline is the bride picking? What time of day is she picking? The cost of those flights. This is multi-layered because it's overseas. I feel like there's almost double slash triple the number of expenses that this friend might be needing to consider. Yes, and I think for me... It's like become this overriding question straight away of like, what should this friend have done? Because I do want to go gently with confused bride-to-be, but I do have to be honest and say, if this wedding is causing your best mate financial stress, that is something you need to own and that is something you really need to unpack in yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes with these mailbags, of course, we always want to go gently. But if you're coming to us for advice, which this listener has, we need to be really blunt with you. I do honest. think you're, I do think the majority of onus or the majority of blame here does lie with you. I think weddings are marvelous. Like I am having a wedding this year. I cannot wait. Like genuinely, as anti-feminist as some people might accuse me of being, not Fuck Bruno it. from Carla, <laughs> though. I am so excited to get married. I'm so excited to do the fuck off white dress and have, I don't know, flowers everywhere and do the thing. Like I'm going all out for the wedding. I'm really excited about it. However, I think it pays to be self-aware that while this is the best day of your life and this is the biggest day of your life so far and you want it to be a fairy tale, you can't always put that cost onto the people around you and you can't expect the people around you to have the same level of investment as you do. I understand that this person is your best friend. And for my sisters or you, Zara, or my high school best friends, I would do almost anything to make their wedding day happen. Does that mean I would do it without any morsel of negativity (laughs) or annoyance that I'm being asked to foot a massive bill? No, like I love you so much. But if you turned to me and said, I want to go get married in New Zealand or I want to go get married in Italy, I would go, oh my God, how amazing. And that would be counted in my head with, how the fuck am I going to afford that? Yeah. And if you're in a place in your life where you can't afford that, which no judgment, like I'm guessing these two women are either in their 20s or their 30s. We're all in different financial places. I think you, particularly in your mid-20s, realize that some people become financially comfortable. Some people are still struggling. Some people are in the middle somewhere. Being cognizant of where your friends are at financially and helping them celebrate you financially is important. Yeah, well, it's that age-old question of are weddings about me getting married or are they about the people who are coming? And I would argue that they're kind of about everyone. I think that they're mostly about the couple getting married but also about the people they want there too. And I think that's why we get so many dilemmas about weddings, why so many people want to talk about them generally. Not, I would argue, because it's 
a shallow topic of conversation a lot of the time, but because they're really damn political, they involve all of us. And I think if a wedding wasn't a tiny bit about the people that we're inviting, you'd elope and not have anyone there. Mm. I think with that in mind, it would be good to be thoughtful of what you're asking of people. Like, are you demanding they take leave when they only have two, three, four weeks a year that they spend savings that they would prefer to spend on a car service or even saving for a house deposit. I mean, a lot of people love destination weddings. I think they are like incredibly unique levels of fun. But to throw one does demand levels of self-awareness. Like you need to know what you're asking of people and in the gentlest possible way to this confused bride-to-be, it feels like you might not be doing that for not your first thought as you're planning this, which you're so allowed to do, to think how will this impact the people around me and Mm. how will I help them? Yeah, I agree. I also think the line of don't we all know that weddings just cost money these days. What I would say to that bride is yes, I think we all know attending weddings costs money. I mean, everyone listening probably has been to one where they've had to maybe buy a dress or buy shoes or buy a clutch to go or maybe they've had to contribute $100 to $300 to a wishing well. I don't know how much people want to put in. But that is a lot of money in and of itself. We all appreciate that attending weddings costs money, but that is not some like finite thing that we go, oh, it's going to cost me money. So what's the difference between $200 and $1,000 or $5,000? Yeah, it's like very much resting on your laurels there and feels incredibly resigned, right? To be like, well, sorry. And it's like, it actually doesn't have to be this way. Like just because we have the wedding industrial complex, just because weddings live a lot on Instagram these days and they've become quite a show, does not mean that you have to do that. Does Mm. not mean that people have to be put out so that you can make that dream a reality for yourself. I do want to counter what we've been saying though with one small thing. One consideration here that we haven't touched on is why you're getting married overseas and why that's really important for you. Because if your partner's from there or if you're from there, I kind of think it's a pretty different conversation. If you've got two families that live in opposite parts of the globe or opposite parts of the country, it is really different because at the end of the day, you've got to pick an area. You've got to pick a space. And that is still hard on the people around you. But I don't think as much people have a right to say this is a huge financial burden on me because it's like, well, what do you expect them to do? Yeah, Someone's got to pay for it and it sucks. It sucks for everyone. So if that's the case, I... Don't empathise as much with your friends. Perhaps I empathise more with you because that's really hard. But you haven't mentioned that you're having it overseas because of that. So I'm assuming maybe you've just decided for the fun. Yeah, for the vibes. I agree. I think even if you had grandparents who live, say like I've heard of people getting married in Italy because that's where their grandparents are from and they want to go back there. I have more time for that than someone who goes, I want to get married in Italy because it's a fuck off, like great vibe. Yeah. And the people who want to come have to pay thousands of dollars to be there. I do think, and maybe this is controversial, and if you disagree with me, that is so totally fine. Come tell me on your Safe Friday. I do think if you are a bride and a groom or a bride and a bride or a groom and a groom planning a wedding overseas and there's no real reason for it to be in that country, you just like the vibe, I do think etiquette should mean that you help people get there. I think you should help out with their airfares or you should help out with their accommodation or make it easy. It could be something as small as making it very clear to anyone who attends that there is no wishing well, making it super clear to them that you have no other expectations of them because it's daunting. It's daunting being invited to a wedding and doing the maths in your head and going, this is going to be an astronomically expensive exercise for me to go. And if you want people to go to celebrate your love and celebrate your relationship, 
do something to make it slightly easier for them to be there. And if they can't be there because they can't afford it, put your attitude in the fucking backseat. Your attitude is not welcome if you're going to make it hard for people to get there. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's like really important that this listener goes back and has a conversation with her friend that kind of is infused with empathy to be like, well, fuck, I'm really sorry that my dream wedding is impacting you in this way because I think she's allowed, your friend is allowed to make this about them because you're making it about them when you're asking them to empty their wallet of all that's got in it. Mm. So I do think you need to go back and chat to this friend, have a bit more empathy. It's not like you can change your decisions and I'm not saying you need to, but I think for me, I don't mind going away for a wedding as long as I feel like people are self-aware about what they're asking. Yeah. You know, like they are so grateful about the sacrifices people are making to be there. If there's one acknowledgement of that, I'm like, I'm so in. I'm fine because you know what you're asking people to do and I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. But I think that's the one thing that's lacking here. I'd also say to the bride, I do think that the enjoyment of a wedding does sometimes run in tandem with how easy and breezy it's been for the guests. So if you can alleviate their experience or if you can do something to make them feel like this has been a really fun and semi-easy process, everyone will have a better time. Like any negativity or tension leading up to a wedding, I think does impact the experience of that wedding. The more you can make people go, Stakes are lower. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah, the stakes are lower. The bar for fun is higher. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Look, I would love to hear from our listeners about this, what they would do if they had a friend in this scenario, whether this is something they've experienced for themselves because what has it a guess? It is not the most unique Mm. dilemma of all. But for now, that is all we've got time for. As we have mentioned, come talk to us on your safe Friday (laughs) tomorrow at about midday, one lunchtime. We can't wait to hear from you. We cannot. Guys, thanks so much. We're also on TikTok at shameless underscore podcast. We have a newsletter called Ask Shameless that we'd love for you to subscribe to in our show notes. But also just keep an eye out on Monday for our charity merch pre-order. We'd love to raise more money for the ASRC. Annabelle, anything else to add? No. No. Woohoo. Thanks so much, guys. Back in your ears on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) You got there. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.